Life is too short to not feel appreciated. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. One of the things that I hear from people circling 50 is, and, and this is especially women, it's that they're, they have an experience of feeling invisible after turning 50. And for women, I suspect a lot of that has to do with the barrage of anti-aging marketing that we've received our entire lives. But both men and women might start to feel a widening generation gap in the workplace as they reach midlife. You might find that you're not included in social functions outside of work. You might be passed over for promotions that you know you're qualified for and then see those opportunities go to younger, less experienced people. It can lead to a feeling of isolation, frustration, and helplessness. My guest today is Janet Granger. Janet had a successful career in digital marketing, but found that as she was aging, she was being passed over for opportunities and promotions. She had noticed firsthand the growing generational divide between older workers and younger workers. And she became fascinated with the idea of intergenerational empowerment. So she left her corporate job to launch a consulting business where she offers a variety of services, including working with human resources departments to identify ways in which they can close the generational divide. She's now a two-time author. Her most recent book is titled OK Boomer, Revelations of a Baby Boomer Working with Millennials. But, you know, she didn't stop there. She just created a new platform specifically designed to help students and younger workers to discover and navigate an early career in digital marketing. This woman is on fire. I can't wait for you to hear her story. So we'll just dive right in. Here's Janet Granger. Let's go. Hey, Janet, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I always like to say how I met people, and I just want to say a thank you to Karen Elders for introducing us. That, I love people who are that type of connector. Right? She's awesome. Yeah. So where do we start? You worked for years in corporate, right? Yes. And I was in and out of corporate. So I started my career in corporate. Uh Um, I actually started my career at Nielsen, the company that does ratings. Yes. Uh Yeah. And that was where I, I sort of fell into my love of data, understanding data, managing data, creating, you know, really market research. Uh Um, And they taught me how to sort of tease the stories out of data. So it's not just a lot of numbers, but what do the numbers tell you? And so with that background uh, and that basis um, underneath me and learning how to tease stories out of data. That's, that's been my approach to, to marketing actually for my entire career. 
So you, you started with Nielsen and so you said you were in and out of the corporate. That's the part, that's the little bit I didn't know about you. Tell, tell me a little bit more. So you went in and out of corporate. So you started with Nielsen and went where? Uh, Then I decided to go to business school. Uh I get my MBA in marketing and management. And then from there, I did a very brief stint in management consulting and realized that I wanted to do more than just make PowerPoints. Because when you're a management consultant, you make a recommendation and then you walk away. And that to me was very frustrating. I'm very results focused. Uh So instead I went to a a privately held company actually in Norwalk, Connecticut um, and worked for them um, Uh in the direct mail industry doing new product development and marketing. And then I went into, um, I had my own business and did all sorts of things, including a a lot of nonprofit work. I ended up being the director of licensing at Save the Children, um, as well as other type of um, sort of product development work in marketing. And then, so I ended up doing so many things in the nonprofit space for about five, six, seven years. Um, I left that job. I was running two theaters in Bridgeport. Right, right. We talked about that. You were with um, the Klein Memorial? right? The Klein Memorial and the Playhouse. Playhouse. Yeah. 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 So um, it was, it was from that role that I then went back into corporate at Pitney Bowes because they were trying to market to the nonprofit sector and, you know, what better person to hire to do marketing to the nonprofit sector than someone who understands how people in that sector work and think, and even the language they use. So that's how I kind of got back into corporate and was at Pitney Bowes for 10 years. Wow. Wow. Um, So you were with Pitney Bowes for what, like 10 years? Correct. Yes. Thereabouts, right. And, and, and I know that one of the things that we talked about was you noticing the generational divide as was it while you were at Pitney Bowes? Yes, it was while I was at Pitney Bowes. So I joined in 2006 and worked there until 2016 And so while I was there, it really did that digital transformation, right? From all different types of marketing to being more and more and more sort of online marketing. That was a huge leap in that particular point in time, right? Things were really going digital. Hmm. Yes. And so I changed the, the paradigm of how we did marketing there from being what's called outbound marketing, where you're pushing the message out, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in everything from magazines to, you know, ads to et cetera. Not that that's bad, but what happened with digital marketing is that paradigm shifted to be more inbound marketing where you were trying to get people to come to a website. Um, so mm. that was how, what that shift was called, outbound to inbound. Okay. And people don't even think that way anymore, but yeah. that's what it was called at the time. Okay. Um, uh-huh. And so, you know, we hired some, um, a consulting firm to help us shift that model and and teach us how to think about you know the website getting traffic to the website um starting to work with social channels all, all the things that digital has now taken off and become so i was there during that shift and helped make that shift and and what you asked is during that time what i found was senior leadership and people my age were often just sort of going Okay, I don't understand this, but I know it's important. So you do that. You keep going on that. And the people who did understand what was going on and were very up on every little thing that was happening next were younger and younger and younger team members. Mm -hmm. So I watched as sort of the older senior leadership kind of got edged out of understanding digital 
they knew it was important, but they threw it over the fence. Like, you know, we should be doing this. Yes, I know we should be doing this. You guys go do that. And they threw it over the fence to these younger teams um, without um, any guidance when it comes to business strategy, overall mm-hmm. strategy, mm-hmm. expectations. You know, it was sort of that development phase as things were taking off online. And again, the people that they were bringing in to now do all these new things were younger and younger and younger. And there was a disconnect between them and the senior management understanding what was going on and mm-hmm. what were the expectations and what should the what should the targets be? What, what should the goals be? What can we expect out of this? So anyway, that's where I started to recognize this thing I called the digital divide um, between the older generation and the younger generation. And when I left and wrote that book, Digital Influence for Baby Boomers, mm-hmm. Why You Should Care and Yes, You Can Do This, I wrote that and published it in 2016. And now it's ancient history. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was about, you know, you really need to understand enough about the digital world in order to help understand, you know, help shape the strategy. Um, And the the younger generation understands tactics and they can do the things, Mm -hmm. but they don't understand um, how they're going to be judged, how they're going to get budget. What do they need to do so that the older uh, executives can see that, you know, they're happy, you know, what is moving the needle mean to the older uh, executives so that the younger um, team members can understand how they're gonna be judged, what they should be trying to do, what the goal is even, Um, because, you know, they'll go off and, oh, I'll make a viral video. Oh, I want more likes and shares. You know, they don't know, aside from what I call those vanity metrics, right? Yeah, how they're gonna get budget and how they're gonna be judged. And senior management's like, we need to sell more product. Okay, well, no one told them. No one told the marketing team, like, you need to generate leads, you know. So it, there was that entire disconnect. And so that's that's where my talk about the digital divide, that's where it began and where it came from. So interesting. And then you eventually left Pitney Bowes and started a job search, right? Well, I left Pitney Bowes. Um, I, I actually... <laughs> I had, I had been wanting to leave Pitney Bowes for a while. Mm-hmm. And in the last two or three years that I was there, um, I had done quite a few interviews um, and they all went stunningly well because they were all by phone. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd show up in person and they'd walk in the room and people's, you know, you could see the disappointment as I walked into the room. And the source um, of that disappointment was what? My voice made me sound, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years younger than I was. Mm. Um, I've always had what's called a young voice, um, mm-hmm. although it's gotten deeper over the years. But I mean, even in my 20s, I'd have people say to me, you sound like you're 16 years old. How old are mm-hmm. you? You know, <laughs> and that, you know, that that can count you for you and against you, depending on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. So So you're walking in the door and you see that you see the, 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 the reaction, even though they're trying, I'm sure that they weren't trying to. When you see disappointment, it is stunningly apparent, you know, jaws drop, Mm. shoulders droop, heads Mm. droop. Mm. And then it feels like they are literally going through the motions Mm. and, and I, you know, that's how it happened again and again and again. And, 
it became very clear to me that if I wanted to do something for myself after Pitney Bowes, um, you know, in my fifties, I was going to have to create it. And so that's yeah. what I did. I wrote that book. I launched my, my new company. And, um, and at the time <laughs> I had been seeing someone long distance in Florida. And so I moved to Fort Lauderdale, started a new life, started my new business and it took off from there. So, wow, yeah, it was a whole like change. Why do you change everything in your life <laughs> all in one year? Big so time. I Big moved time. to Fort Lauderdale, published a book, started a company, got married, you know, like what else is there? <laughs> wow. 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 Geez, how, so the process that you went through of, of, of experiencing this ageism in your job interviews, how long did, how long did that go on before you were like enough, enough? I'm, this is not working for me. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that point. Um, because I had lived in New England my entire life. I grew up in Connecticut. I mm -hmm. lived in New York for seven years, went to school in New York, uh, moved back to Connecticut to raise my boys in Fairfield. And so it was outside of my, outside of the box for me. It was outside of my realm of possibility that I would have to leave the area to work again. Mm -hmm. And yet I would say, uh, my career pretty much stalled around, let's see, I was, I, I came in 2006, I would say 2012, 2013, after I had really changed the way Pitney Bowes did things online, um, they were then experiencing a lot of turmoil internally because senior leadership had changed. They brought in a whole team of XIBM people. Um, I was very hopeful, um, but it became very clear they were focusing on people in their 30s at that point, mm -hmm. and I was not one of them. And uh, I waited and waited and waited. Um, and when it was very clear that the younger people were getting opportunities, I interviewed and interviewed and interviewed. And I would say it took me at least three or four years to finally realized that um, the outside world wasn't going to change for me. Mm. So I had to make the change. Mm. And that was why I just sort of threw it all up in the air. In 2015, I, I started writing the book and said, I, I need to, I need to be the change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you launched your new business with a focus on, on helping um, younger students or well, so I launched my new business as a side hustle while I was at Pitney Bowes. Uh -huh. So if anyone from Pitney Bowes is watching this, they're finding out about this now. But basically, I was doing two jobs at once my, the last year that I was there. Yeah. I launched my business uh -huh. and uh, I got clients. And I was doing basically what I was doing at Pitney Bowes, but on a much smaller scale, which was digital marketing strategy. I was creating digital marketing strategies for them online strategies. And then if they needed help, I would execute on those strategies, either using people they had or um, finding outside people to help them. Um, so I landed a couple of clients and it just, I mean, it, they were wonderful because um, 
they continued with me online even when I moved down to Florida. So I'd fly up every quarter to visit them as I was starting my business down in Florida. Um, So yeah, it started as a side hustle, just doing what I was doing at Pitney Bowes. Um, But because I had worked in this sort of small to mid-sized business segment, I knew exactly what they needed because they had been my clients, you know, the big target market out there. So I just went and did for them what I was talking about from the Pitney Bowes corporate perspective. There you go. Wow. So, huh? I mean, (laughs) starting a new business as a side hustle is, I mean, it's a great way to go, right? Because it gives you that, that cushion for the startup time. You've got your income. You've got, I'm just thinking for anybody who's listening, who is like thinking about doing some sort of a career change and, you know, how to it's the, 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 what stops us a lot, I think can be, Oh, but how, and when, and what am I, how did you fit that in to your, to your schedule into your life? What did you do? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so I, I, I basically didn't have any free time. (laughs) I was, uh, uh, visiting the client sometimes during lunch. Mm -hmm. I was uh, sometimes quitting my job around 4.30 and Mm -hmm. visiting the client at five. Uh (laughs) Um, I was doing the work. uh, I was, you know, both of my kids were launched at that point. So, you know, when I say launch, I mean either in college or away. Uh, Yeah. So I came home and I didn't watch a lot of television. You know, I would do the client work after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked weekends. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it was easy, but because it was for me and it was what I wanted, I had so much more time and energy and passion uh, mm-hmm. that it's I- amazing I, what that does, isn't it? When you've got yeah. a really good reason to do something or a really good, um, something that you just want. Yeah, it's funny because last night, yeah, last, you know, the business has been mine now since 2016. And last night I'm launching a new platform um, called Marketing Career Mentor. And so I just did the kickoff in terms of the the person who's developing it for me. And I was literally lying in bed last night at 11 o'clock going, oh, this isn't going to work. I need to tell her something. And my developers are over in Europe. I got up out of bed, went to my computer. I was writing out the email at 11 o'clock at night, hit send. And it's like, well, she's six hours ahead. So she'll get this tomorrow morning. And, you know, would I have done that for Pitney Bowes? No. <laughs> yeah. But doing it for myself? Yeah. Right. I thought of it and I wanted it done. I would get up and be working at 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's a kind of, it's just a different for me, it's a very different sense of doing it for myself versus doing it for a corporation that isn't appreciating me anyway. So, yeah. And so then the, the trick, and, and this is the thing. So, so my, this podcast that I do is a side gig. Um, I don't, it's a passion project right now. I'm hoping at some point I can figure out something around it. That'll, that'll make some money maybe. And, um, but I'm driven by by loving doing it, meeting people like you, having these conversations that I find fascinating. Um, And 
the trick is, and what I'm hearing in you is you get up at 11. I, I experience the same thing. Think my, my brain is cooking on this stuff all the time. Right. And so when do you turn it off? How do you, how do you, how do you do both, um, take care of business and take care of yourself? Do you have any, you know, do you have any, uh, oh, tricks yeah. on that? I, have, I, I, I've been learning. So I've been part of a business coaching program. And one of the things that I've learned to do is things like meditate mm -hmm. and be present, um, go out in nature. I don't bring my phone. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of, a lot of the addiction to this and uh -huh. constantly being on means I now know I have to leave that aside behind in the house. Oh, um, wow. You yeah. know, and can I just tell you something? Okay. So this is confession time. <laughs> my husband and I, uh, we went for a walk, uh, recently and he's like, Oh, I left my phone behind. I'm not going to get credit for this walk, you know, cause the phone. <laughs> yes, I do. I used to, and that was my first thought. I'm like, well, you're leaving your phone behind. You're not going to get your credit, credit, but you've got a Fitbit. Is, but isn't it funny that we're even like, who cares about the credit? I'm putting credit in quotes. Who's giving us credit for the, for the oh, miles walk. walked, right? We just track things and it's just so funny, but you're right. Like I go, I go for working walks a lot of the time. And, um, I'm either listening to an episode that I recorded that I'm thinking about the editing and I'm, as I walk, I'm, I'm listening and then I'll stop and I'll go to my notes app and I'm putting in notes about, you know, okay, I'm going to edit this part right here, or, Ooh, this would be, you know, these are my thoughts for the intro and, and different things like that. And it's like, when do you turn off? And sometimes I have to just make myself just walk without, I will tell you that mornings are my time. Mm-hmm. Me too. Before I, I, you have to do it before you look at the email. I can get so distracted by yes. other people's agendas in my email box. Um, I, I do stretching and yoga in the morning. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I'm drinking plenty of water. I start with lemon water in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, I don't look at the computer. I don't look at my phone. I have a morning routine. I go outside. I sit in the back. We have a beautiful backyard with pool and trees and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I practice gratefulness. I think yeah. about five things that I'm grateful for. Oh my gosh. We, we have a very similar morning routine. I mean, I, I don't always get the, I don't always get to the outdoors first mm -hmm. thing in the morning. I try to make sure that I get that at some point in the day, every day, but, um, you know, and it makes such a huge difference. I should probably turn it into part of my morning routine to just get out, but I love yoga. So mm -hmm. it's good for more of the time. I'm like, go yoga or walk, you know, or what am I going to do here? So yoga wins, uh, yeah. those choices for me, but, but, but as you say, it is so important to have that time for your brain to, I think we don't give enough credit to our brains for the time when we're not thinking. Yeah. I think there's a lot of research now that says your brain works best when you're not thinking all the time, when you are receiving and present and, you know, 
looking at the blue of the sky and the green of the trees and or watching your dog and it, observing how she's so excited by this little smell or just I, I think part just of what noticing I, I, right yeah noticing, noticing and appreciating and being present I think people don't I think we get so caught up in work either for ourselves or for other people that we don't honor ourselves and being present because that is life. And it goes and into that whole worthiness thing, really, right? Because well, you if can't let life pass you by something productive, then are you, are is that worthwhile time is and, and you're putting worth and value into whether or not you're into doing, doing, not being. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are, we're, we're here, we exist here and we should be able to just take up space and just be, and just sometimes, be. sometimes, boy, that's a lesson I'm really trying to l- learn. It's a toughie for me. So I will tell you, <clears throat> I learned it the hard way. My father died when I was 24 years old. Mm, I'm sorry. He was only in his 50s. Wow. And and that sort of I, I was so focused for all of my childhood and early adulthood into into doing and being worthy and fulfilling my whatever. And and it really made me think about being here now and what that means and how important every single day is because you get a very limited number of them. So in a flash, right? I mean, your kids are grown, right? That, I mean, my kids leaving, Yeah, you know, for 22 years, they were my world and all of a sudden they were not. Yeah. And yeah. If anything, that, that, and my father's very early death sort of drummed into me the importance of being here for me now. And, and again, we were just talking about, you know, not feeling appreciated where I worked. So I left. Life is too short to not feel appreciated. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Seriously, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, we have so much more power than we, than we realize, you know, and we can make choices that serve us. And, and that comes down to those moment to moment thoughts, choices, you know, every moment is a choice where we can, we can take the time to appreciate, or we can take the time to complain. And usually the complaint is the autopilot part of us. Probably I'm, I'm, I'm for me. Um, What's funny. I saw something on again here. So this is where this came in handy. Um, There was an Instagram. She she just picked up her phone by the way, folks. So she, so the phone came in handy. Uh So, um, so on an Instagram post, some, father wrote, you know, my two-year-old sits on the floor with surrounded by her toys and every once in a world just shouts out the word happy. 
to let the universe know that it's done its job or something like that. And I told that to my mother, who has just always been a happy person. And I said, you know, as adults, we need to shout out happy. And, and as you just said, choose, make that choice in this moment to be happy if we are, because it is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Um, and I've read some amazing books um, by people lately. Um, and I'm the, the best one right now is escaping me. But um, stories about people who have who learn that happiness is being in the moment and it, it's a decision. That's all it is. It really is. It, do, it just seems, which seems so counterintuitive when you're in the middle of, <laughs> when you're in the middle of a shit storm, it, you know, but if everything's going, you know, things can be incredible, incredibly bad around you. I mean, you know, you look at 2020 and 2021 following up and all this, these things that are happening in the world around us, but you can always stop and take a look around you at your surroundings and look around and, and find something to be grateful for. Exactly. You can always do that. You can, and, always and you can find something to be grateful for. Yeah. And you've probably heard the, this somewhere, some, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but you can't be grateful and worried at the same time. You can't be right. grateful. And worried is a projection. Yeah. Worried is not anything but a projection. All you have is what's here and now you and me talking. And I am so grateful to have made this connection with you and to be here talking about it. Oh, thank you. Because, well, it is all there is right here and right now. And how amazing is that? So I don't know. I, I feel I've, my, people for years called my mother Pollyanna. I don't know if you know what the reference is, oh, yeah. but you know, the <laughs> glad girl, right? And I sort of feel like as I get older, more and more, I think that's a wonderful influence to choose to find the good, to be happy and to celebrate. Because believe you me, if you decide to start complaining, you can find a lot. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, right? I think one of the things that led me down the path I'm on was, was, uh, you know, um, um, for Lent, I gave up complaining one year. It was when I was oh. really in the depth of, of whatever, low point I was in. And I thought, what would happen if I gave up complaining? And I cannot tell you how, how stinking hard that was and, and almost impossible in a way. Um, I started to realize that not only was I complaining with what was coming out of my mouth, but there were constant complaints in my head all the time. So, and the, but what that did was make me start noticing how much I was complaining. And in the noticing of that, I started to have power over it. Absolutely. And that's where the choice started to come in, you know, but if it's just running automatically, then you don't. And that goes back to that whole thing of sitting and meditating and taking that time in the morning and notice just sitting and noticing 
what's yeah what's my little monkey brain doing today (laughs) yeah exactly noticing is everything and and you know sort of getting back to your podcast and and what you're talking about it took me a long time to notice myself (laughs) like what what, what does that tend to do huh you know um and uh I was in a business coaching program and that turned me on to hypnosis um uh-huh. and I I actually had had used hypnosis uh for you know dealing with my second child when I went to childbirth and stuff so I know I'm easily hypnotized and I'm a really good subject and it's been very helpful to me uh-huh. uh personally and I ha- I used hypnosis to help me um deal with all the monkey brain stuff that would come up that was so that it started, you know, when I was a child, um, you know, why does technology, some technology frustrate me incredibly? Why, why does it really, you know, why is it so frustrating when my computer doesn't work? (laughs) All these things, like what are, what are my triggers and understanding what my triggers were was so helpful because the most helpful thing that I, I, my, my unconscious taught me is, yeah, getting angry doesn't really change that. Mm. You know, it's like, you can get as angry and frustrated as you want. Yeah, that's not going to resolve this. So let's try something else because <laughs> that's not working for you. And it was like, it took me my whole life to realize that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's one of the, yeah, that's the benefit of stopping to notice. Wow. Yes. Wow. 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 So gosh, you, 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 you moved to Florida, you got married, you started, started a, a new you're job. starting a new business yeah. and you business. wrote a new book. We, we haven't even talked about your second book. Yeah. So my second book is okay. Boomer revelations uh-huh. of a baby boomer working with millennials. And the second book came, um, during the pandemic when I had a little bit of free time. Um, and The second book was born of the realization that, you know, from a perspective of boomers and Gen X, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Like I can say to them, technology is really important and you should do this. And and it's up to them. So, so the second book was really, I changed my focus from talking to my peers and shifted and now started talking to the millennials and the younger people uh, that I was running into in marketing because they really, really need a lot of handholding and mentoring and help just to be successful in their careers. And, you know, it would be a whole other podcast to talk about why that's the case. Um, but I Can had you been... give a little bit of that for, for just a minute. Cause I'd love to, I'd love to hear a little bit of it. Like give me, give me like a, you know, a nugget. I'll just give you an uh, an example. So um, a lot of millennials grew up with constant feedback, constant feedback. You're doing great. You're doing this grades in school, quizzes, tests. You're doing, you know, all the feedback of like, yes, you're on track. You're doing well. Then they get to a job and there's no more grades. So one of the biggest things is how am I doing? Does my Am I doing okay? Am I doing my job well? My boss never compliments me. I don't know. Like, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? You know, so it's literally that fundamental where they've been brought up a certain way with certain expectations and now the rug's been pulled out from under them and they don't, they don't know how to act. They don't know how to react. They, they're confused. They're depressed because they're not getting this constant uh, yeah, yes feedback. 
um, you know, social media gives them that dopamine hit every time. That they was get my first thought that even more than grades, because we had grades too, but social media is really like, that's like that instant dopamine yeah, that hit instant from the dopamine likes and the all time, and, and they the... don't get that at work. So now yeah. what? So, so that just, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, of how much help and mentoring they need. And I found that again, starting at Pitney Bowes, as I was dealing with these younger and younger team members, I was having to mentor them. I was getting to mentor them. You know, I got to see their perspective, hear what they were thinking. I realized that really all of these younger people need mentoring. Uh, but they need it at scale because while older people in organizations, um, organizations, if they get to a certain level, will then um, pay for business coaches or career coaches or, you know, coach, executive coaches to help them along to get to that next level or to be better at what they do. But younger people don't get that. They're not worthy yet. So I actually created this new platform called Marketing Career Mentor that I'm launching in October to provide the answers to all those questions that every time I give this talk, hands go up at the end of the Q&A section and they all have the same questions in terms of, you know, what should my career look like? What's, you know, what should I expect? Should I get an MBA? Should I, you know, all these questions I always have. So I'm teaching them how to own their own career path as opposed to what I did, which was look for someone else to help me develop my career. Like, Mm-hmm. I, in school, I was the good girl who put my head down, did the work, got the A's. I was rewarded for putting my head down and just doing the work. Okay. That's not what happens in the real world. In the real world, it's the people who go for things themselves, who are pushy, who, you know, want something and go after it or figure out how to get what they want. They're the people that are successful, not girl, good girl behavior. Mm. It's a whole different world out there. Mm. I'm not so yeah, sure that really, school is good training for that. <laughs> you know, it's it's true. School does not prepare you for that. No, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Huh. Wow. What a great service to to be able to provide for people. Thank what you. have you learned about yourself in in the in this uh this midlife reinvention that you've been going through this this real I mean it, it's amazing like on all fronts you you've just like blew your life up in a way, right? In <laughs> as many ways as one could. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I think the biggest thing I learned was, you know, it's sort of like the old Mark Twain saying, when I was 16 years old, I couldn't believe how, I couldn't believe how stupid my old man was. And when I was 21, I couldn't believe how much the old man had learned in five years. You know, it's like <laughs> when I was 18, I was ready to change the world. And now that I'm, you know, well, just about three times that, um, I've realized how much I still have to learn. You know, it's sort of like a, I thought I knew everything and there's so much I don't know. And I just learn more and more and appreciate the learning. Oh, I love that. Appreciate the learning. Yeah. Yes. Yes to that. Man, how does the time go? I don't know. This went really fast. (laughs) What are you most excited about coming up and how can people find you for your podcast for other people who are, you know, sort of reinventing themselves? I, I am happy to chat. Um, people can find me at janetgranger.com. And for me personally, what I'm really excited about is this launch of this marketing 
career mentoring platform where I get to take, you know, 25 years of learning and knowledge and share it with these millennials who need it so much to marketingcareermentor.com up and live. Very so. cool. So I will have information for people to be able to connect with you and just excited for you. And thank you. Really inspired by your, by your taking charge of where you were going. Yeah. I mean, if I can, if I can leave a parting shot, it's that when you're in your fifties and you're seeing that the world isn't necessarily keeping up with you, take the reins, just take the reins in your own hand and go. Because as you said earlier, we are as powerful as we allow ourselves to be. Mic drop. Great way to end it. Janet, thank you so much. I totally appreciate the time and everything. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Well, there you have it. One thing I admire about Janet is that she recognized a situation where her potential growth became limited. I think we all face that at some point or another. Now, she could have resolved herself to finish out her time at her corporate job until it was time to retire. But instead, she took a bold leap. Sometimes you just need to marshal your courage and energy to be your own champion. I'll have links where you can find more information about Janet Granger in the show notes, of course. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 85. And hey, if you had an aha moment or you just enjoyed the conversation, please take a moment to share this episode with someone you think it would be good for or leave a review or a rating so that other people can find their way here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.